Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Now, your host, Ken Brew, on News Radio 700 WLW. Hey, I know that guy. I know him. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I see him all the time. Welcome on in. It's the Saturday afternoon extravaganza presented by Craftsman Electric Quality Craftsmanship. It is in their name. I thought we were supposed to get snow. I saw a little, like, junky stuff out there this morning. I mean, even uh, just talking with some friends out near uh, Philadelphia, that area, they really haven't seen it yet. I guess maybe it's uh, more of a phenomena up northern part of this country, northeastern part, that that I-95 corridor through New York, Connecticut, and places like that. Well, you know what? Good. Stay there. You can have it. Don't need to have any of that nonsense. What, is, what was the biggest name you heard this week? Of all the names that were mentioned on this radio station, on the various cable channels, on the nightly newscasts, if anybody still watches those things, what was the number one name you heard this week? Jeffrey Epstein. Dude's been dead five years. But his ghost lives on thanks to the Lolita Express and his island in the Caribbean. And apparently, the documents that are being released right now, there have been so many, so many things released. Now, everybody is quick to say, and rightfully so. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Just because names have been released does not necessarily mean that there was any wrongdoing. Does it mean any wrongdoing has not been uncovered yet? Maybe. Does it mean that there was any wrongdoing going on at all? Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Maybe. But we do know that the documents are part of Virginia Jeffrey's settled lawsuit against Epstein's former girlfriend, Jolene Maxwell. And uh, Maxwell and Epstein apparently arranged these, these flights to their island in the sun. And in that island, or on that island of the sun, there may or may not have been things that happened that were nefarious. Prince Andrew seems to be at the epicenter of the, all of this. He has denied any allegation of wrongdoing. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. There has been testimony by several of these underaged girls at the time where the testimony was either pleading the fifth or uh, accusing the prince of um, sexual misconduct. Um, Bill Clinton has been named 50 times in these documents that have been released. And there have been, um, no, again, no one ever saw, hey, I saw that guy, uh, Prince Andrew. Hey, I saw that guy, Bill Clinton. Hey, I saw that guy, whomever. I'm, I saw them do this, and I will testify to such under oath in a court of law. We haven't had any of that yet. Now, maybe because... Jeffrey Epstein died in prison, waiting to go to trial, had something to do with that, don't know. But there hasn't been anything like that. But yet, uh, because of this lawsuit that was settled and filed, and because there have been uh, many legal pushes to get these documents unsealed and released, they're being released right now. It's a district judge, Loretta Preska who ruled earlier this month that there was no legal justification for continuing to conceal any of the names, 150 names, that were inside this lawsuit that was filed and ultimately won by Virginia Jeffrey. So what does this mean? To me, it, it's, it's more embarrassment at this point. It might be more, certainly, than that eventually. Might be. But it, it seems like it's just embarrassment to those whose names have been sullied by this, whether or not they were doing anything on those flights. But we are all, it seems like, kind of enraptured by this and the list and what is it going to say and who's going to be on it. Standing by is a guy who is enraptured as well. He is Jerry Bruce. He runs a conservative think tank, RestoringJustice.us. And uh, he's written, this, this website does videos, and they've done some videos on this and other things. 
But uh, Jerry Bruce works for and is the co-founder of RestoringJustice.us, as I said, a conservative organization specializing in exposing injustice and championing justice. And I figured, okay, let's see what this guy has to say about that. And so, Jerry Bruce, welcome to 700 WLW. How are you on this glorious Saturday? I am wonderful. I could see just one person that doesn't want justice right now, and that would be Bill Clinton. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about this and and uh, the the <laughs> names that have been dropped. Um, on background, this a lot of these names have been known for a while, right? I mean, I haven't seen anything in these documents or any names in these documents that have shocked me, other than maybe David Copperfield did a magic trick. I didn't. I didn't see any names. I didn't know were, that were were coming. Did you? No. Well, but it's a little different application. Like now, they bought on uh, David Copperfield to make this whole scandal go away. If he can make it <laughs> now, Bill Clinton. I mentioned earlier that um, he was uh, cited fifty times as I think it was John Doe number thirty six. No. So it's got to be difficult for even David Copperfield to make that disappear all fifty visits. Now, there's other people like Alan Dershowitz who. Um, I don't believe it did any wrongdoing there, and, and he just kind of was named in there. And I think that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to release this thing slowly every few days to get people bored with it. Their whole goal is to have it be boring. Uh, so people think, ah, oh, another one. I tune in again. There's no major name listed. I and mean, you've got this Virginia uh, Jufra. Jeffrey. Uh, who Jeffrey, yeah. 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 Uh, From age 16 with Prince Andrew, and they're saying, hey, you're about to have sex with or make love with a prince. She's like... I don't know if she was stoned or whatever in this situation, but I mean, you know, we all put our slacks on one leg at a time and you know, sort of was a prince. And yeah. I don't know what her relationship there was, but, uh, and Leonardo could do the Capro and I don't even want to talk about Bruce Willis and his current condition and Michael Jackson. You can't make this stuff up. They just throw these people in almost gratuitously, even George Lucas. I, I, I think the bulk of them probably did not do anything bad, but now it's a, they're all mixed together. What yeah. do you do? Yeah, it is. It's almost like their own version of People magazine. First of all, nobody has been accused, let alone convicted, of doing anything nefarious uh, that were on the plane. Now, obviously, Maxwell has gone to jail, and Epstein was was dead, uh, is dead. So it's it. Nobody's been accused of doing anything. It seems to be. I don't. I don't know. This is either something to distract us from the real story, and there's more someplace else, and we're never going to see it, or it's just it's just simply like, well, here are the names. You know, you you can figure it out for yourself what what happened or what did not happen. I again, well, I don't. I, it, this seems like all whipped cream and no cake. Yeah, I, I would agree. And but a good way to keep up with it, we have updated short videos, like two minute videos, at restoringjustice.us. By the way. It's not .com, so it's restoringjustice.us. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the liberal group or the conservative group, two by the same name. Yeah. Ours is U.S. and restoringjustice.us. But, yeah, I, I mean, they're just trying to let the thing fade up, fade off to oblivion for a while. And But the, but you got to understand, spy agencies like the CIA and the Mossad from Israel, um, you better believe they were involved in this thing. I'm not necessarily saying either one of them set it up from the, from the get-go, but when something like this, at this major level is going on, you know they, they absolutely know about it. They yeah. absolutely know about yeah. it. Yeah. What degree they're it for, for blackmailing people or not, I have no idea. But give me a break. You've got people in bed with underage people. they got video cameras going. I mean, you ever wonder when you look at Congress that they make some really dumb decisions sometimes? 
you can't rule this out. Well, that and that and therein lies what may be going on here. Now, there are there are a lot of theories out there that Epstein might have been working for the Mossad. He could have been a spy for Israel. Um, Dan Bongino on his show has. Uh, kind of raised the specter of some of that that might have been going on and what Epstein was in essence was a bartender or someone who was a Svengali that could bring people of power together with people of power and therefore they become more powerful. I mean, in, in the absence of information, anything can take hold. I think there's the, the overarching thing that should be of concern to everyone is that if there was underage sex going on on this island, if indeed there was human trafficking going on on this island or in one of his many homes in the United States, to me that's a huge deal because this is a this is a big international problem. And uh, if indeed that was going on, there ought to be some people that ought to be held to justice. But I, I just don't see how this any of this gets into a court of law if it's been basically information we've all known for the last seven to ten years and... Nobody will come forward and say, yeah, I saw him do that with her when she was 13, 15, 17 years old. Until and if, none of this, none of this takes hold. You are getting some admissions, but they're not illegal. For instance, you had Ghislaine Maxwell before they were attending a, a birthday party. I believe it was for supermodel uh, Naomi Campbell. <laughs> and it didn't. the event that I'm going to say did not happen at the party. It happened before, supposedly. Some lesbian sex. I mean, in the in the proceedings, they say uh, uh, sexual contact. But if you do the math, they're both females, so therefore it'd be lesbian sex. There's nothing illegal about lesbian sex. Mm -hmm. In today's folk world, you'd think that that sort of thing would be exempt from all criticism. So, <laughs> so they might have a lot of um, salacious admissions like that that are not convictable. And then the people, you know, call them the deep state, call them the self-styled elitists. There's people we don't even know their names that are behind the scenes, untouchable, tough line, and they'll decide who they're going to throw under the bus. But it's a start. It's a start. Some people, even if they're thrown under the bus, they shouldn't have been there doing what they did, etc. And it's, it's a start towards restoring justice. And my, my plug is restoringjustice.us, not .com, restoringjustice.us for updates on this matter. Jerry Butler is our guest. He is of the organization just so mentioned. Yeah, I mean, it, it, Bill Clinton was named 50 times or something. I, I, don't, I lost track. <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you know, Bill Clinton, the, he's beyond embarrassment. I mean, he's a former president of the United States, twice elected, still revered inside his own party. Uh, you know, what, what, are you, what are you going to do to him or to David Copperfield or to Bruce Willis or to Alan Dershowitz at this point, besides embarrass them, right? There's not, there's nothing else that's there. I think if there was a there there, we would have heard about it. I, I it's to me, it's well, it was kind of like the the Russian collusion hoax with Trump. You know, everybody got so worked up about that, and you know, he colluded with Russia. Well, in the final analysis, three and a half years later, there was no there there. It was it was basically a a made up story. I'm not saying this is made up. I'm just saying. Normally, when you hear about this, uh, there are a lot of other details released besides things that might just embarrass somebody from being in the wrong place with the wrong people at the wrong time. Yeah, I think, Ken, you hit the nail on the head. I, I got nothing to add or subtract from that. That's spot on 100%. And uh, if you think about Clinton, it was originally China Gate before it was Monica Gate. Nobody cared about Monica what we really carried about was that he and Hillary were giving missile technology to China 
uh, supposedly for indirect millions of dollars to the Clinton Foundation or whatever else. They have legal ways of doing it. Not moral, but legal ways of shifting money around. So we we can't take our eyes off of Iran, North Korea, and China that are all the recipients of that missile technology com- complements to Bill Clinton. Frankly, I don't give a rip if they do all these weird things, this salacious stuff and everything, as long as they run the country well. Sure. I mean, they didn't, but I want to make sure nobody's giving missile technology. And in case of Biden, I, I resent the fact that he left hundreds of millions of dollars worth of armament for terrorists for the next 30 years in Afghanistan. Give me a break. I mean, how could anybody get away with that? And why isn't that front page news every single day? Oh, because the liberal side did it, not the conservative side. Yeah. Well, you're, 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 you're walking down a road that we could have, a, you know, a very long and very deep conversation about the media and how it walks in oftentimes in lockstep with that one party. Uh, but, Jerry, I think it speaks to something else. I mean, you're not all worked up. You're not uh, all about uh, Jeffrey Epstein and names and what, who might have been where and doing what. I mean, your, your, your organization, RestoringJustice.us, is all about restoring justice. And I oftentimes hear that people say there's a two-tiered justice system in this country, that if you lawyer up with the right lawyers, the most expensive lawyers, uh, you're certainly not going to get the same kind of punishment if you lawyer up with somebody that's two months out of a law school somewhere in the Midwest. It's just, it, it seems to me that there's more to you and what you want to do besides Epstein. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? In your opinion, is there a two-tier justice system or is there a one-tier justice system and everybody else falls in behind that? Well, right now there's a one-tier justice system called the Injustice Department by Biden. I can't even say it's two-tier because they just do not give justice. It's one-tier only, and it's injust. Uh, and now at restoringjustice.us, you could see, like here, I'm just reading two or three of the titles. Another institution bites the woke dust. That's by Ken Spivak. He's a regular commentator uh, and contributor with National Review. Another one of them is Black for Trump. Very interesting. It talks about how blacks in America have not gotten justice for the Biden Injustice Department and how they're rallying behind Trump and how they could smell a rat when they see all the things they're doing unfairly to Trump. Black people more and more are siding with Trump. And then we have another one, Democrat. I will, I'll massacre this word. What is the uh, Muslim term? T-A-Q-I-Y-Y-A. Could be. I'm familiar with it. Justice, we expose stuff like that. We're not being prejudiced to any people group. We're just exposing what it is. And the final one I'm looking at is uh, a tale of two indig- indig- indignities. Boy, you see why I'm not the host. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, all sorts of stuff. Restoring Justice.us. Every day we got new stuff on there. Uh, they're usually one-minute videos, two-minute videos. They're not quite as short as woke videos on uh, TikTok, but they're not as long as a documentary. Good luck with uh, what you're doing here. I hope I don't see your name on the Lolita Express manifest. I don't think I will, Jerry Bruce. <laughs> but we will, uh, from time to time, check back in with you, and hopefully you'll uh, you'll be off and running here in 2024. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ken. It was a pleasure. Right. Yeah, I, I just, again, you know, I think this is a lot of it. It's just, ooh, look at he's, look at, oh, look at he's mentioned 50 or how many times it is. And, you know, I just... <laughs> Until you got somebody that says, I saw it, I'm testifying to it, I'm suing him, because to the best of my knowledge, there's, unless Prince Andrew comes back and sues uh, Jeffrey, which I 
don't think that's that's going on at this point. I think he just wants it to go away. Um, until you get until you get all of this back in a court of law, which you know, Jeffrey Epstein uh, never had his day in court. If he did, uh, maybe all of this would have come out and come out in a different light. But other than this, other than that, this is just to me. It's you know, it's kind of okay. What's who we, who can we embarrass here? Yeah, release that. I don't know. Maybe I'm being too naive. I've been accused of that in the past. 1223 News Radio 700 WLW. Who's the man who can make you laugh or cry? Willie. Who's the man who holds politicians' feet to the fire? Willie. Who's the man who looks a little like Uncle Sam's distant nephew, Corky? Willie. Willie Cunningham, the voice of the people. My friends, be the eagle. Soar high and free when you listen to me. Monday at noon. I am a great American. On 700 WLW. And catch the podcast of his show on the free iHeartRadio app. It's a great day to head on down to one of my favorite places on the planet. You know where that is, right? Little Miami Brewing in the heart of downtown historic Milford. When you get there, check this out. Cherry Creek has gone sour. Yep. Cherry Creek, one of their top beers, now has a sour taste. It's a little New Year's facelift, the perfect balance of tartness and cherry sweetness. Only 4.5% ABV. And uh, weekend music. Why on stage tonight at 7 o'clock? It's summer term. They'll have the stage till 10. When you're there, check out the great pizzas and salads that go along with those outstanding craft beers. Little Miami Brewing in the heart of downtown historic Milford. Don't just survive the winter, thrive with Boss UTV snow plows, salt spreaders, and the Boss Snow Raider ride-on snow removal machine. The Snow Raider helps contractors and property managers save time and cut costs. Get sidewalks back to bare pavement fast. Shop the Snow Raider snow removal machine today at Cincinnati's only servicing Boss Snow Raider dealer. That's Bud Herbert Motors, Cincinnati's hometown equipment dealer, BudHerbertMotors.com. Hawksworth Blood Center, an internationally recognized... Have you with us on this Saturday? Uh, we have uh, football later on this afternoon here on 700 WLW, Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Steelers still trying to get into the playoffs. Baltimore is the number one seed in the NFL and, in my opinion, the best team in the NFL, which isn't saying much. I think a lot of people say that. Then we'll have part of the Houston-Indianapolis game that follows, but we'll break away to get you out to UC basketball tonight at Brigham Young University. So that's what uh, the day looks like here on 700 WLW. You know, I mentioned that it was 1238, but as you and I both know, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. It's one for me, one for you. What are we drinking today? Now that's some mild stuff there. Pop a top again. You tell them about it, AJ. I'm going to sip. I've just got time for one more round. Set them up, my friend. Yeah, uh, so set them up. That, then what happened? Then I'll be gone. And you can let some other fool sit down. You might be sterling about 3 o'clock today. So I talked about football. Uh, talked about what's on the show. Uh, the Bengals tomorrow. Coverage begins at 9.06. Our final show from the Holy Grail for this season. And it uh, wasn't supposed to end this way. 
But uh, there were more things that went wrong for the Bengals in 2023 than just Joe Burrow getting injured. And I wanted to bring my buddy in from CBSSports.com, Jeff Kerr, to talk about that. Because um, Burrow Healthy kind of masked a lot of other things that have to be at least concerning for the Bengals. Particularly going forward when they're not going to be able to keep the band together. I mean, we, we know this. But anyway, uh, let's bring him in. We have uh, caught him in his car. He is Jeff Kerr, CBSSports.com, one of the finest football writers in America. Jeff, how are you on this glorious Saturday? Uh, you know what, Ken? Just trying to avoid the snow at this point. We're supposed to get a foot. Looks like we're getting three inches now, but still our first accumulation here in mm. southeastern PA in two years. Well, listen, better you than us. That's all I got to say. We got three inches of snow here in Cincinnati, and it paralyzed the city for about a week. <laughs> you guys get a lot of snow out there. No, it, but it, a lot is a, a lot is is kind of. Um, I guess it depends on how you look at it. Like three to four inches is a lot. I can't even imagine if, if a foot of snow ever got dumped on this place. Yeah, we got a foot of snow. I think people would complain, Ken, but. We're kind of used to it at this point. Well, yeah, you're in Philadelphia. They'll complain about anything out in Philadelphia. So I understand that completely. I understand it completely, Jeff. Look, you and I have talked a lot during the season. We know that, you know, we know that Joe Burrow's injury was catastrophic to this team and what it wanted to do this year. I think Jake Browning filled in admirably, but, you know, the, you know, the, the shine came off that quickly. I'm just wondering, is it more than Burrow that submarine this team this year? Because Joe Burrow doesn't play defense, and this defense statistically was not very good this year. So what's your thought? What are your thoughts on that? So the Bengals are kind of like the Eagles in a sense, right, Ken? Like, they don't have a good defense, but their offense kind of held the fort, even though they, they really weren't good running the ball. But, yeah, I would agree with that statement. I think you saw in last week's game or uh, – no, not last week's game, two weeks ago against Pittsburgh, where you let a guy like Mason Rudolph just carve you up, and he was the third-string quarterback. He was an afterthought. They, they just went to him because they didn't have any other options. And he throws the ball to George Pickens twice or 60-plus yards, and the Bengals just couldn't come back. Like, you can blame Jake Browning all you want, but Jake Browning is a backup quarterback, and the Bengals held the fort for as long as they could. But you and I, the last time we talked to him, we said, they had to win out. The Bengals had to win out because of their conference record, and they just didn't get the job done. Yeah, no, no, and I and I I worry here in, in this sense that th this team is talented, wildly talented at certain positions. Other positions, I think, they're going to have to do a deep search as to how they can get better inside the salary cap because they're going to have to pay Jamar Chase after this year. But I I, I worry about the window on this team because the, the, this team, as we know it. With three terrific wide receivers, uh, this team as we know it with a quarterback that I would certainly put in the top three in this league, um, it may be changing a little bit. The window may be closing a little bit. Is the window closing a little bit, in your opinion, on this team and its ability to go out and get a championship trophy? I think this team will always have a window as long as Joe Burrow walks on that football field. So I, I think they're okay there. I think they're always going to be in contention. And, you know, with the franchise quarterback at UC Ken, you know, with a lot of these guys from a lot of other teams, they're always going to be in the mix. Like, like just ask Buffalo how that's working out. You mm -hmm. know, they're, they're always in the mix with Josh Allen. Philadelphia's going to be in the mix with Jalen Hurts. Dallas in the mix with Dak Prescott, et cetera. 
Uh, so I don't think the window is closed. Or is it closing? Maybe because you did have Joe Burrow on the rookie salary and you don't anymore. What I think concerns me with Cincinnati is hearing Jamar Chase's comments uh, from this week about, you know, getting his, getting his, you know, I, I don't want to put words in the guy's mouth, but it, it's very concerning when it, it seems like he wants to be the highest paid receiver in football. Well, that's great, but I wouldn't you rather have T. Higgins next to you? Wouldn't you rather have Tyler Boyd playing with you and, you know, able to, you know, keep this team flexible? That, that That's what I would think you would want to do. But, mm. uh, again, I, I still think this team is going to be good. I think they're going to be fine as long as Joe Burrow is healthy. And I think this team still would have made the playoffs based on how the AFC played out if Joe Burrow doesn't get hurt. Well, if you, and if you look, if you look just step back and look at it without emotion. They never really <clears throat> they never really had Burrow healthy for any of their division games. I mean, the first two games of the season, he still had a calf problem. In fact, that calf problem lingered into the uh the week they played Tennessee. Uh he comes back and I mean, those games against San Francisco and against Buffalo, those were absolute uh star shows for Joe Burrow. And then he obviously got hurt in the middle of the Baltimore game and that was it. He was never healthy for any of the the division games this year. So everything is Burrow-centric, I think, to this discussion. I just think that there are other things around him that have to be addressed. Do you really want to be like the majority of teams that are successful in this league and have a tight end that can operate over the middle? Do you really want to be like most teams in this league that are successful and have a running attack that you can go to when you need it? Do you really want to be like other teams who are successful in this league and have a defense that doesn't have to rely on the big play to turn games around, but consistently can get off the field three and out, three and out, three and out. I think they've got. I think they've got a lot of things they've got to look at internally as we move on past this season after this game against Cleveland. Would you agree with that? I, I would. So I, I think the running game was beyond atrocious this year, and the only way it was fine is when you got a guy like Chase Brown in the mix. That's when I thought they started turning it around a little bit, and they had to because of Jake Browning's limitations. And Browning did a fine job for them, by the way. I think they at least know they have a backup quarterback for Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Like, you know, it's funny. If you ask the casual fans who the Cincinnati Bengals starting tight end was, I don't think they could tell you. But I think if you ask the casual fan who the Dallas Cowboys starting tight end was, I think they could tell you because he's making plays. And another thing I want to harp on, the Bengals try to get better on the offensive line. (laughs) We just can't do it. It's you know, you get a guy like Orlando Brown, you should be significantly better on the offensive line. And Brown didn't have that great of a year. Um, you know, that not like he had at Kansas City. And, you know, you got you get guys like Alex Kappa and, you know, Jonah Williams and all that, and it, they just don't play up to their potential. Maybe they need a coaching change there. Maybe they need a philosophy change there. I, I, I don't know, Ken, but, yeah, you're right. I, I think the running game, I, I think it's the smash-mouth power of football they need to at least do every once in a while, but it is hard to argue the results of a team that went to the Super Bowl was a possession away from winning the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and really it was a possession away from winning the AFC Championship game the next year. Right, right. I mean, <clears throat> Zach Taylor didn't get dumb overnight. Uh, Joe Burrow just got hurt. Uh, sure, sure. Rosters morph, right, Jeff? I mean, you're going you're going to have different players every year than what you had the year before. But players that they had that they that they that got them to the Super Bowl, uh, they got there in spite of some players. But they got there because of a lot of players, and those players they got there because of 
are still here. So it's 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 not like this thing went flying off the cliff this year. It's just that I think there were a series of things that snowballed and it caught up with them in the in the final analysis. There is one thing that I think you can look at and say they should they should have really done this better. And that is when they knew Jesse Bates was not going to come back. And they knew that after training camp last year. I think they needed to do everything in their power to make sure Von Bell did and not just drop it in the lap of a second-year player like Dax Hill, who's a good player, no question about it, and try to make up for it for going out and signing Nick Scott, which I think was a long reach. Now, it all may work out with Jerome Battle. Who knows? But I think for this year, for this team, I think that's the only thing I would look at and say, you know what, that was a misplay. Would you agree? Yeah, so we're dealing with this in Philadelphia, too. Um, T.J. Edwards wasn't the player Jesse Bates was, but he was a very valuable part of their defense at linebacker. Well, the Eagles let him walk, and then they let Kaiser White walk, who was him, wasn't, wasn't anywhere near these types of players, but they let both of them go. Same mm-hmm. with the Bengals, with Jesse Bates and Von Bell. So it's a, it's a tough reach to replace these guys, especially when you have good corners but not elite corners. And... I think that's what hurt the defense a lot for this year. Every Bengals game I watched, the Ravens game on Thursday night, a couple of weeks ago was one of them, the Saturday game uh, against Pittsburgh, and it definitely affected them. And you're right. It just seems like they didn't do enough or they didn't prepare for the future long-term replacement. And I think they got to think about this with T. Higgins right now, too. It's, okay, what do we have to do here? Do we bring in a veteran receiver? Do we draft a guy high? Do we draft them early? Because they're going to be a – other needs on this team. Outside Trey Hendrickson, what happened to the pass rush? I know. I know. I, uh, and, and it's baffling. They were much better defensively when D.J. Reader was healthy and in there. But D.J. Reader isn't a guy that's going to get to the quarterback. He's, he's going to stuff the run. I don't know. That's a great question. And I think that needs to be uh, addressed. They were pretty good with uh, when they would blitz from the secondary with, with Mike Hilton. But I think that they've got to they got to look at at what was going on there. Um, they they expended a first round draft pick in Miles Murphy, and um, although he worked his way in and contributed somewhat, I'm looking at players that were selected after him, particularly Michael Meyer, tight end from right here in uh, the Greater Cincinnati area, went to Notre Dame, and now of course is with the Raiders and Sam Laporta, who went to uh, the Lions. Those are two players at a position that I thought was of great need in the offseason. And they elected not to go that way. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe, you know, the other thing too, Jeff, is, you know, a guy like Mike um, uh, the uh, uh, Murphy that we were talking about that they drafted, defensive linemen tend to blossom later. And they, st- they tend to stay around later. So maybe there's something going on there I don't know about. But, yeah, I think, I think other than Hendrickson, they got to take a look and say, okay, well, what were we doing either schematically or – what do we have that wasn't working well with other players that need to be replaced? But that's another thing, I think, that they've got to do a deep dive into. And that's why I say I think a lot of this is Burrow-centric, and Burrow made up or masked a lot of other things that weren't right with this team. And, and maybe in the final analysis here, that's good, because they, need to, they needed to see what they had to work on and not constantly rely on Joe Burrow doing something that was superhuman in the final two or three minutes of a game. Does that make sense? I, it, it does, and you're right. Uh, you know, franchise quarterback math problems. I mean, you know, you, you see these teams that outside of San Francisco, I think you take away 
a Josh Allen, a Jalen Hurts, you know, and this is who we're comparing Joe Burrow to, right? You know, their teams aren't going to be as good. And I, I think you're seeing, honestly, it's amazing the Bengals are going to finish where they're going to finish without Joe Burrow or Joe Burrow being as hurt as he was this year. And it, it's crazy, Ken. They were in it till week 17. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, once Burrow got hurt, I definitely didn't think that. Yep, absolutely. Well, Jeff, enjoy the Giants and the Eagles. That ought to be an interesting game. At least uh, it should be from Philadelphia's point of view. And uh, I know you and I will catch up down the road. Happy New Year. Just start here in 2024 and stay well. I hope 2024 is great for you. Thank you so much for your time again, my friend. Yeah, no problem, Jeff. By the way, I hope the Bengals have less drama than what the Eagles are going through right now. My, my head hurts from talking about that. <laughs> I, I hope for our sake you're right there, too. Thanks, Jeff. Sounds great. Thanks, Ken. You bet. Anytime, any place, anywhere. A guy knows what he of what he writes. He, CBSSports.com. I'm on it at least uh, three or four times a day, and uh, they've just got some terrific football writers. Kerr is really good. Heading up to see the Eagles play the Giants. Well, okay, we'll see. Philadelphia at one time looked like a lock, maybe to win it all. Uh, not so much in the last couple of weeks. Twelve fifty three. News Radio 700 WLW. Mike, 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 Mike McConnell. Doesn't it make you want to shake your money maker? You bet it does. The same way I shake you into shape each morning. Mike McConnell here. I personally make sure you get the latest news, traffic, weather, sports, financial news, and tons more, including a big fat dose of pure Mike McConnell F U N. In the morning. Mike. In the morning. Mike. In the morning. Mike. Monday morning at five on seven hundred W L W. In the morning. If you're looking to buy or sell a home, you need to partner with a professional like one of the great realtors at Hoding Realtors. In fact, get a hold of Steve Florian because he's got this unique cottage-style home in Green Township. This special home has three bedrooms, three-and-a-half bathrooms, and total first-floor living if needed. Amenities include vaulted wooding ceilings, an open floor plan, deck-attached with three seasons room. Man, it sounds great. Call Hoding right now if you're interested. 513-451-4800. 513-451-4800. And when you call, ask for a free market analysis of the home you own. 513-451-4800. Or on the internet. Hoding with an E dot com. At 105, it is the Craftsman Electric Saturday afternoon extravaganza. Craftsman Electric, quality craftsmanship, it is in their name. Welcome back to the festivities. I'm your congenial guide right till 3 o'clock today. So here we are now. This is the first Saturday of the new year, 2024. And uh, I'm sure you, like a lot of other people, have done the old New Year's resolutions. Maybe not resolutions, maybe uh, things I want to do this year, maybe things I'd like to do. Uh, resolutions are kind of like, uh, you know, in fact, I resolve to do this, you know, and then a week later it's like, what did I just say? But a lot of us, I think, uh, would like to do more and better things each and every year. Otherwise, what's the point of living? You don't want you want to be better at what you do this year than what you did last year. You want to see more, do more, experience more. You want to get more done this year than what you did 
last year. That's the goal, I think. I think it's a reasonable goal, and I think probably the majority of us have that. If so, then why do so many people just blow things off? 70% of adults say they procrastinate at least sometimes. The average adult spending 218 minutes a day putting things off. Nearly all who do, a robust 94% are unhappy about it. Well, if you're unhappy about it and you keep doing it, how do you get out of that vicious cycle? Ah, standing by as someone who might be able to help. Because I thought it would be good as we're moving into a, a new year to make this year better and apparently more happy for you. He is an optimal performance consultant. His name is Boris Bloom, founder of MyCEO, which is a global consulting network of highly skilled experts who are committed to getting results for you and your business. And he's standing by to join us live now to talk about all of that. And Boris Bloom, how are you on this glorious Saturday? I am doing fantastic. How are you? If I was any better, I'd be triplets. That's how good it is for me right now, Boris. But the world doesn't need two more of me, so I don't think I'll ask for that in 2024. How's that? Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I think a lot of people are sitting here and wondering about 2024. This being the first Saturday, they've probably made their resolutions. They're all excited. Uh, and this is the the right time for them to start taking action towards those objectives, I think. Or start procrastinating, because my favorite time of the year at my workout facility, my, my little gym, is this time of the year. Because you see people the first two or three weeks of January, and then you never see them again the rest of the year. I just, mm -hmm. I just find that, that being able to resolve something that you're going to do is a lot easier than being able to actually execute what you've resolved to do. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Uh, absolutely. I mean, th this is the core challenge for people is in trying to take action. Uh, they, they make commitments to things that they're not really truly committed to deep down inside. And there's a reason for this. I think most people struggle with this issue is because they haven't identified the core part of this challenge. And that is what is their reason for doing it? If the example that you brought up of going to the gym, if the reason is, oh, I just need to look better in my clothes, um, that might be enough of a reason to get them to show up for January. But by the end of January, you know, life happens, distractions happen, mm -hmm. social media, work, all these things have an impact on our motivation. And that motivation kind of becomes fleeting. And so instead, I think what people have to really focus on is what are those reasons underneath that that are going to cause you to consistently show up and execute on what you tried to accomplish? Um, and oftentimes those reasons are not well articulated to them and, and they're not um, well defined for themselves. They haven't spent the time to think about them. Now, I can guarantee you if the person went to the doctor in December and the doctor said, hey, you know what, your chance of living beyond the next five years is slim and none if you don't change your habits and start working out, that might be much more of a motivator for them to change their activity, right? Yeah, I, and I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. Don't uh, pretend to be one. But I think oftentimes, mm -hmm. rather, we rather hear things suggested to us as opposed things told to us. Just your example right there. You know, there was a declaration that could change somebody's life for the worse if they don't start doing things for the better. But I think oftentimes we just 
we hear suggestions. We don't hear absolutes mm -hmm. because we want to hear what we mm -hmm. want to hear. I think if more things were said that way, we might have more of a concentration on things we have to get done. But nobody wants, it seems like, to offend anybody anymore or just say, look, you have to do this. Now, you want that from your doctor. Do you really want it from your wife? Do you really want it from your friends? I think we may be in that kind of cycle right here. Well, uh, that is probably true to some extent. I think, though, the more important thing is the word you mentioned earlier, which is resolve. If somebody is going to resolve to doing something, it is a personal choice. It's an internal choice. No amount of other people, the external world, whether it's your spouse, people at work or whoever, are going to be able to impact you and motivate you enough to get you to consistently take action towards a really difficult goal in life. I think it has to come from the internal resolve. And the only way that you're going to get that resolve is by clearly identifying the reasons to do an action. See, you know, we may need to know, uh, I'm sorry, we may need to do something. We may know that that is the case and they've accepted that. They may want something and they may even have committed to having to do it. But until that reason shows up, until they've identified with that reason, they're not likely to consistently mm -hmm. do that. And that is the challenge that most people are facing in a very distracted world that we live in. Yeah, and, and, and there, there it is, distraction. We're, I think we're a society that's easily distracted. I mean, if indeed this is, uh, this is true that uh, the average adult spends 218 minutes a day putting things off, well, that's, that's about three and a half hours. Um, mm -hmm. I think there are a lot of distractions in life now, more so than maybe even 20 years ago. I think social media is a is a big reason for that. People would rather spend time doom scrolling than actually getting something done. But if we are distracted, okay, how do we snap ourselves back to attention, Boris? Because it seems to me that we'll just continue merrily down a row of the road of distraction without coming back to what you're all about, which is the art of taking action. How do we snap ourselves back to attention? Well, I've been fortunate enough to work with uh, very high-performing individuals uh, over the years, and I've learned that there are three very distinctive things they all share. They are all very decisive, they're all very deliberate, and they're all very disciplined. It's what I call 3D focus. And these are the things that people need to develop as characteristics in their life. If they're not going to be committed to those things, it's going to be very difficult to take action towards big overarching goals. Mm -hmm. Now, to get to the other D that you just brought up, which is distraction, that is the number one core challenge that people face on a day-to-day -day basis. And if they're wondering how bad it is, just open your iPhone, go to the settings under apps, and take a look at screen time. And don't do this in public because you may not want other people to see how much time you are actually spending being distracted by <laughs> yeah, all yeah. the different things that will show yeah. up on that list. Yeah. yeah, so three things, right? Three things that, uh, that come into play here. So let, let's break down all three of those. Can we do that? Absolutely. Yeah. So first, deliberate, right? The core thing to think about with deliberate is you have to have uh, a conscious choice that you're making to work on whatever activity it is that you've planned out. So unfortunately, a lot of us are struggling because we have personal objectives that we're trying to balance with work objectives. We've got other people that are impacting us. And when we don't have a deliberate approach to managing our time and energy on a day-to-day -day basis, 
what ends up happening is the world directs us in their own way. (laughs) And it's usually not the direction we need to go. So um, taking time out to really focus on what are you trying to accomplish, understanding how much time and resource you have available to you, how much energy you have available to you to accomplish your goals, and actually blocking out the times that you're going to work on those things, being very deliberate around what you're trying to accomplish is critically important. So that's number one. Um, decisive, I think, is another important aspect here. And when I say decisive, oftentimes people get making a decision, um, they get it confused with what decisive actually is all about. If you think about making a decision, a lot of people made a decision uh, to go to that gym that you were talking about, right? They, they yeah. went in right before New Year's, signed up for a new membership. You know, yeah. they took an action step. But that's not what I mean by decisive. You know, taking a action doesn't mean that you will actually follow through on it on a consistent basis. Being decisive is understanding that there is a framework of how you can make decisions. And it's about making what I call elegant decisions or conscientious decisions. These are decisions that are well thought through, that have a fundamental basis for why you're going to do what you're going to do. Um, And they become a very motivating factor for an individual uh, to actually take action on a consistent long-term basis. And so that's the second D, which is decisive. And disciplined is the core challenge that a lot of people face internally. Um, Most of us just don't have enough discipline in our lives. Um, And it's not just about being self-disciplined in terms of our um, core. It's about having a structure to our life. You know, discipline comes from creating routines and and systems. If you talk to high-performing athletes, the one core thing they're all going to tell you is we have routines for everything. We have a schedule for everything. We're organized around how we do what we do and what we're trying to accomplish. The same thing is true here. If you want to be disciplined in your life, you need to create systems and structures for yourself to manage your time, to manage your attention, to manage your focus on the things that are most important to you. So So, deliberate, decisive, discipline. Um, yeah, Absolutely. and I, I would say there's probably not a life decision nor uh, a resolution that doesn't include all of those three things. But you know, again, we're we're society that gets distracted a lot. So you can you can have all three of those things, but the minute somebody opens up a bag of cookies and you're you're distracted and you're going to run over there, mm-hmm. um, you're really you're, you're really talking about uh, breaking down, I guess, behavior. And we can have decisive, disciplined, deliberate, but it's really about behavior, right? I mean, a lot of this is just changing the way you behave during the during the day where, where you say, okay, my daily resolution, if you will, I'm going to do this. And then you have to see that plan through, whether that might be organizing your toolbox, whether it might be uh, preparing dinner, whether it might be raking the leaves in the backyard, whatever it might be, whatever you want to get done that day. Um, a lot of that is just behavior. You've got to be able to mm-hmm. focus on what you're doing. And I think that's a real problem for just a lot of us in this day and age. Would you agree? Absolutely. I mean, it all comes down to behavior. But I'll introduce another D, and this is the D of disillusion. And you may be wondering, what am I talking about here? So a lot of people, unfortunately, suffer from this because they overestimate 
what their capabilities are. They overestimate their resources, meaning their time, their financial capacity, their ability to keep attention on what it is they're working on. And so they overcommit. And their biggest problem is saying no to things, saying no to other people, uh, whether it's demands from their personal life. You know, a spouse asks you to go and pick up something on the way home uh, for the refrigerator, and you decide, well, that's going to take me a half an hour, and I didn't have that on my calendar, and now I'm feeling pressure, you know. So the demands on us in life uh, get in the way because our best laid plans never turn into real uh, you know, actions and behaviors that we fully and in, well intended to do. Right. No, no. So what, when I say disillusional is people are disillusional about their situation. They need to be realistic about their situation, not overcommit, not saying no. Uh, I mean, a yes to people and say no to people sometimes when it's just not something that they can accomplish at that moment. It's going to distract them from other things that are more important to them. Morris Bloom is our guest. He uh, is a business consultant. Uh, has coached and helped a lot of entrepreneurs, CEOs, and what and whatnot. We're talking about uh, just why a lot of us just blow things off during the day. By the way, his uh, his book is the Art of Taking Action. Uh, the Art of Taking Action. That's the name of the book. Am I right there? Uh, the Art of Taking Action is actually a program we put together. Oh, it's not okay. a book. Oh. Um, yeah, it's a what we call a productivity challenge, and it's actually a free thing. Anybody can get access to it. We've uh, put it on my website. My website is borisbloom.com. That's B-O-R-I-S-B-L-U-M.com. Uh, and they can just join the challenge. And it is a free six-week challenge on how to become highly productive and successful at taking actions, the prudent actions that are necessary in life. Uh, we did this as a public service to the community. We believe that people need to do this if they're going to really make big strides in their life. Um, so um, it's free to anybody. They can just go in and join this challenge. Okay, Boris, here's the landmine coming at you. What was the last thing mm -hmm. you procrastinated about? Last thing I procrastinated. Yeah, Good you. question. Um, <laughs> Uh, probably my planning actually for 2024. You know, I have a uh, habit. Everything in my life is very structured and I generally do my planning early part of December so that by mid-December I'm kind of in the holiday mode and I don't have to think about it. And that did not happen this year, unfortunately. I've Even to the last minute, I was updating uh, my own plans, what I call guiding operating principles of how I operate. Um, I was updating that through almost the 30th. <laughs> so, oh, there, well, listen, hey, yeah. you're, you're human, right? I mean, even Absolutely. as... You know, and 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 you you have the ability to understand that that probably threw you off course for other things you needed to address throughout the month of of uh, December. But uh, I I I do think that the the what we 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 were talking about deliberate, decisive discipline. I think a lot of that is just missing, and I think a lot of it is probably why a lot of us uh, don't get as much out of life as as we should. If we did uh, all of those things, and maybe life would be a little bit easier. Who knows? But at least you got to give it a try. So Boris Bloom, B-O-R-I-S-B-L-U-M, BorisBloom.com. That's where all this stuff is. Okay. Boris, good stuff. Thanks for your time today. We appreciate it. I absolutely enjoyed it and appreciate being here. Thank all you. Right. Yes, sir. Optimal Performance Consultant. And he's the founder of ICEO. I blow things off. You blow things off. 
But when you just sit down and think about it, I mean, it is wasted time, right? I mean, it's time that you were supposed to be working on something and you didn't. Working at home, you know, all during the pandemic, those that remained in a work-at-home environment, you know, you know how easy it is to get distracted. Um, so a little bit of discipline wouldn't hurt anybody. And, and just might make 2024 better than 2023. 218 minutes a day of putting things off, really? For the average American. Yeah, that would be me. 122 News Radio 700 WLW. It's the final game of the season. The 8-8 eight eight Bengals are looking to end their season with a winning record. An incredible catch by oh, T. Higgins. To do it, they have to beat the playoff-bound Browns. The second effort gets the Bengals a touchdown. Will Zach Taylor's men pull off the interstate win? Touchdown, Bengals! Get the call live from Dan Hoard and Dave Lapa. Coverage begins tomorrow morning at 9 on 700 WLW, the home of the best Bengals coverage. I talk all the time about Little Miami Brewing, and I talk about it all the time because I really love the place. But other than the brewery, to the left, as you're walking in the front door, take a look at the new event center. Then if you got a chance, go over and check it out. It's a great place for your next big party or maybe a wedding reception. Or to see some of the terrific acts they have in there all season long. The next big show, Friday, January 12th, this coming Friday, Jump! American's uh, Van Halen Tribute Band will be at the event center. Tickets start at $25. The Eagles Project, tribute to the great Eagles, coming in on Friday, January the 26th. All of the information is at LittleMiamiBrewing.com. Go there today. You'll enjoy some of the best craft beers on the planet. Little Miami Brewing, along the Little Miami River, in the heart of downtown historic Milford. Son of a gun. 51 years ago today, number one song in the USA belonged to Carly Simon. And oh, the men that would fit under the moniker of this title. You're so vain. She said that the song was about men when she wrote it. And she sat on that until oh, maybe 20 years ago. And the guy that was running NBC Sports at the time, a guy named Dick Ebersole, paid $50,000 at an auction to find out who she was talking about. Well, I think by then it was well known that one of the verses was about Warren Beatty. But there were two other verses that she had to come clean with, and the only stipulation was that uh, Ebersole could not share what she said. And she, as she whispered into his ear for $50,000. In fact, one of the, besides that condition, uh, she also revealed that he shared a clue that Simon had shared with him and that the man's name had a letter E in it. Well, my gosh, I mean, come on. But uh, it's been Warren Beatty, it's been Pierre Trudeau, there's been a lot of uh, other names that have floated out about what this is all about. But 51 years ago right now, this was number one. Uh, you got a guy named Jim Gordon on drums. Jim Gordon was a uh, drummer with Eric Clapton and Derek and the Dominoes. You got Mick Jagger singing backup lyrics. And there was a time when people thought that uh, Jagger was one of the uh, people that she was referring to. 
I mean, it's all fun and games, right? She went into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. And 51 years ago, she hit the high note of her career with this particular song. It is what you see out there is what you're going to get. Partly cloudy, a little bit of rain, a little not so much rain, maybe a little snow, maybe a little this, maybe a little that, maybe nothing. 39 for the high. Tonight, rain on and off, low 35. And then tomorrow for the Bengals game, cloudy and cold. 39 again for the high tomorrow. We have dropped down to 36. We have already achieved our high for the day. Maybe that's why you're feeling so good. 36 degrees at the Tri-State Severe Weather Station. News Radio 700 WLW. Monday night, college football playoff championship game. Michigan against Washington. Get a little preview of that from Max Chadwick of ProFootballFocus.com. That and much more coming up straight ahead on 700 WLW. News, traffic, and weather. News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. Choosing to start off the new year with dry January. This is the 130 Report. I'm Sandy Collins. Breaking now, many tri-staters and Americans across the country are going alcohol-free for a month. As ABC's Dave Packer reports, there are some obvious and some surprising benefits. Going one month without a drink. More Americans this year making the dry January pledge. ABC News medical contributor Dr. Darian Sutton says going alcohol-free can bring major health benefits. Lower blood pressure and improve heart health. And going dry can help with another popular New Year's resolution. It can facilitate weight loss. Because alcohol is empty calories. A glass of beer or wine can range from 120 to 150 calories. A mixed drink, even more with added sugar. And surprisingly, Dr. Sutton says stopping the booze will help you sleep better. Dave Packer, ABC News. Traffic and weather together. If you're coming up from the Florence area, it'll take you about 14 minutes uh, with no. I is revolutionizing the medical profession, and that's good news for you because the quicker you're diagnosed with whatever you have, the quicker the healing can begin. Uh, we'll talk about the whys and the wherefores coming up. Then uh, we got the college football championship game coming up this. Monday night. Jim Harbaugh was in front of the media today. Everybody wants to know what he's doing with his life and his career after uh, this championship game. Great speculation. The guy was suspended twice this year. Um, there's rumor. There are rumors that he may be going to the NFL. He kind of said, I'm not talking about that. What he did choose to talk about in advance of uh, the 14-0 Wolverines facing the 14-0 Washington Huskies is that he believes players should be paid and that all of the money college football is making from their television contracts, all of the money that goes to schools and conferences, there should be a slice of that pie that goes to players, and it might even involve coaches taking a pay cut to pay players. I don't know if it's coming to that anytime soon. I think eventually it will, particularly if there is this super conference that Everybody keeps talking about, I think at that point, then maybe that discussion takes place. There are, of course, other ramifications. If indeed you pay the players, you make them employees of the school, which means that uh, they would have to have their own health care, which means that they would have to pay income tax, which means there would have to be a whole separate business set up. But that's what he believes. And um, we'll see. 
Harbaugh's out there, always has been, and uh, this is another indication that at least he's thinking past his own nose on this. But maybe he's thinking that way because he's not going to be around college football after this year. Who knows what motivates people to say what they say. Game is Monday night. And I wanted to get Max Chadwick on to talk about it. Max Chadwick is the college football editor and uh, major domo at ProFootballFocus.com. ProFootballFocus is the most analytical website that there is out there. They grade every player, every play, and every game so that the end of every game and at the end of every season, you know exactly how good that player was. And Chadwick is, I, I just know this, he is revered inside the Pro Football Focus offices. There's not a guy down there. Sam Monson, Brad Spielberger, Steve Palazzolo, nobody at that office does anything unless they first run it by Max. Max Chadwick, Pro Football Focus, college football major domo. And he's standing by to give us a little preview of Monday night's game between Michigan and the Washington Huskies. And Max Chadwick, how are you on this glorious day? Ken, that might have been the best intro I've ever gotten. So thank you very much, Matt. I'm not sure it was very deserved. Uh, but thank you for that, man. I'm, I'm hyped to be talking to you again. Well, you will probably tell people about it when you get to the office, correct? Yeah, well, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely, I'll be telling them. All right. We got number one, Michigan, number two, Washington. And in Houston on Monday night, they will collide for the college football championship. In your opinion, are these the two best college football teams? Were they the two best college football teams heading into this particular, uh, like the semifinal, for example, was it? Was it all? Did it all? Should it all have played out this way that Michigan was playing Washington? Yeah, I, I'm not surprised by it. I mean, look at it right now. I mean, these are the last two undefeated teams left in college football. Um, so, yeah, not surprised at all that these are the two. I actually, in our prediction, I, I picked Michigan and I picked Washington uh, in those two semifinal games. I was kind of surprised that Washington was underdogs to Texas in that game. Uh, but yeah, I, I absolutely. I think these are the two teams that you probably were expecting to see. I was, I was expecting to see uh, in the college football playoff finals. And I actually, I picked Michigan to win it all in the preseason. So it, it all looks pretty good right now, too. Michigan looks like the more complete team. I mean, it outscores yeah. its opponents by, I think, by 25 points. It has uh, the best scoring defense in the country. I don't think there's any question that the end of regular season conference play through conference championships and now into this game against Washington – Michigan is the most complete team, I think, in the country. Would you agree? I think they are, too. And that's precisely why I picked them in the preseason, because you have that loaded roster. I mean, top to bottom, they're really – it's hard to find a weakness, truly, on Michigan's roster right now. And that's why, ultimately, they're undefeated and in the national championship game for the first time in program history. So, uh, yeah, I definitely think it's the best all-around roster in college football. And not only that, I think you look at the coaching staff, you can make an argument. There might, this might be the best coaching staff in college between Jim Harbaugh, who I consider to be one of the best coaches in the country, uh, Sharon Moore, who proved in that semifinal that he is well worthy of a coaching job. And maybe he might even be the next Michigan coach if Jim Harbaugh uh, leaves from the NFL. Yeah. And then uh, Je Jesse Minter, the defensive coordinator, I thought called the game of his life against Alabama. I mean, he had Jim Moreau, uh running for his life back there, really. So. Uh, I think the coaching staff, the, the roster, everything, Michigan, to me, seems like the best team in the country. Jack Mentor, son of former UC football coach Rick Mentor. And, yes, he he, uh, he was actually a candidate for the UC job before they hired Steve, uh, right. Scott Satterfield. Um, yeah, and the other thing, too, I think this highlights is just how good Alabama is because it took everything 
Michigan had to beat Alabama in overtime in that semifinal game. So you had Alabama and you had Texas. And just before we move on to Washington for, for a second, was this, this playoff, was this, the, the, did it feature the four best teams in college football or did it feature the four teams that earned the right to be there? And there is a difference. There absolutely is a difference. And I think there's an argument to me for four best. I, I think if you say four best, to me, it's hard to still leave out Georgia if you really want the four best. Um, I, I, tr- I don't love the best. Uh, argument. I, I think it should go to the most deserving, and I was very upset when Florida State was, was snubbed, and I understand. Look, my friends, I mean, uh, injuries be damned, honestly. I, I think, you know, we, in every other instance, we celebrate teams overcoming injuries, and in this one, we're punishing them. I think that was uh, a little short-sighted, honestly, to not even give Florida State a chance, even though I think they deserved it after what they've done all season. Alright, let's move on to Washington. Washington is a lot of things. I wouldn't say that they have as many marquee players as Michigan has, but they're good, obviously, or they wouldn't be here. Their offensive line is outstanding. I think they right. won the Joe Moore Award for best offensive line in the country. And they yep. have a, a very talented trio of wide receivers. And uh, Michael Penix is just terrific pulling the string. What What do you expect offensively from Washington in this game, knowing that they're up against the best scoring defense in college football? Yeah, and that's, that's, I think it's a big matchup that you're going to see in this game is that Washington is the most electric offense in the country. I mean, we were, we, if you guys watched that semifinal, I mean, you saw Michael Pettis Jr. have, I think it was the best game of his career. Uh, six big time throws, 93.8 passing grade. Both of those were career highs. Um, he was throwing like 50 yard handoffs to those receivers. I mean, it was absolutely absurd what he was doing against Texas. And that's going to be the key. I mean, if Michael Pettis Jr. could have the game of his life once again, then Washington, I think, stands a chance. But if he doesn't, I, I really don't see um, them winning this game. Uh, but, yeah, you mentioned it. Michigan's defense, I mean, they are number one in pretty much every metric you can think of. They're number one in overall grade for us, they're number one in EPA for play, number one in coverage grade, number one, uh, number four in pass rushing grade as well. Um, so they're, they're going to have Michael Pettis Jr. really uh, – this is going to be a test, honestly. And he hasn't played defense that's in the top 15 of any of those metrics I just mentioned. So – uh, I think, you know, Texas had a very weak coverage unit and we thought it could get exposed by Washington. Michigan absolutely does not have that. So I am really excited to see if Michael Pettis Jr. can, you know, put up another heroic performance uh, against the best defense in college football. Here's the, here's the caveat to all that, though. Um, unless Dylan Johnson can play the talented running back for Washington, unless he can play and play effectively, this becomes a one-dimensional team throwing the ball. I mean, there's nobody in second place to Dylan Johnson. I think the second-leading rusher on that team has like 182 yards. Dylan Washington ran for over 1,100 yards, 16 yep. touchdowns. So I'm just if, if Dylan Johnson can't go and he suffered a, um, I want to say it was a foot injury at the end of that Sugar uh-huh. Bowl game, he can't play. All of a sudden, Washington's offense becomes a little more back to earth, does it not? Yeah, I think the good news is that I heard Dylan Johnson is expected to play in this game. Now, I think you made a good point is uh, how effective is he actually going to be, though? Um, and I think that is important. Now, he is a very underrated part of that offense. Um, but honestly, Ken, I mean, you look at that offense right now, I, everyone and their mother knows that Michael Penix Jr. is going to want to throw deep downfield to Roma Duze, Jalen Polk, and Jalen McMillan. The problem is that nobody's been able to stop it yet. Uh, so I think... I think Michigan knows that. And I, I think, you know, even though they know it, even though Texas knew it as well, 
I still think, yeah, they could be one-dimensional, but at the same time, like that one dimension looks unstoppable right now. And I, for one, I am thrilled uh, to watch that matchup because I, I think if there's any defense in the country that can, that can slow down Michael Pettis Jr. and those receivers, I think it is Michigan. So that, that is the one matchup I'm really excited to see. Blake Corum, uh, I've watched him, obviously, for the last couple of years. This is a really, really talented guy. I mean, he's just right. terrific. And, of course, he's the key to Michigan's run attack. I'm just wondering, because you never know what Harbaugh is going to do. And he's got McCarthy. McCarthy can throw. I just have a feeling that it's going to be a game where Harbaugh is going to come out and say, here's Corum, here's our run attack. Now let me see if you can stop it. And I think they, I think they may come out and just run it or try to run it right down Washington's throat. What do you think? Absolutely. I think it's absolutely the key. Listen, if this becomes a game between J.J. McCarthy and Michael Penix Jr., that is a massive advantage for Washington. That is absolutely not the game plan that Michigan wants. Uh, to go in this game. Now, I think Jason McCarthy is a capable quarterback. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be uh, maybe even picked in the first round. Now, I've heard a lot of uh, stuff about that. I, I personally wouldn't do it, but I've heard a lot of rumors that he might go high in the first round. Mm. But I don't think you want to turn this into a game where J.J. Where McCarthy has to go throw for throw with Michael Pettis Jr., who is the hottest quarterback in college football right now. Uh, I don't think you want to do that. But you mentioned it. I mean, Washington's, I think Washington's coverage unit is really good. The problem with that defense is that the run defense is not good. It's about 72nd, I believe, in run defense grade. And another thing I want to point out, Michigan, um, their most common run play is inside zone. They run that about a third of the time. 33% of their run plays are inside zone. Washington against inside zone is the fourth worst power five team in terms of grading. And they're, I think, 122nd overall. So they really struggle with inside zone. Uh, and Blake Corum, you can use that vision. I think it's elite vision. Uh, I think that is a matchup that I think Michigan is going to try to bread and butter their way to a victory. Um, and I, I think that's the way they got to win is just, you know, use that ground game and use Blake Corum and try to, you know, let him carry to victory. All right. Here's the big question, Max Chadwick. You who know all about college football. <laughs> Line on this game is Michigan minus four and a half. I uh -huh. think I lay the points and I take the Wolverines. What are you doing? Mm. I don't know if I would take the points. I do think no, Michigan. No, no, lay, lay, lay the points. I'm taking Michigan. you got to give four and a half. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. So, yeah, I, I personally, I think Michigan's winning, I think, 30 to 27 was my predicted final score. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think they're going to win this game, but it, it's going to be an outstanding football game. And I think it is a little crazy that, honestly, Texas is favored by as many points as Michigan is right now. And I know, of course, you, you have to react to uh, what, what uh, Washington's done, but Washington's been one of the most disrespected teams in terms of betting odds all season. I mean, that nine and a half point spread against Oregon in the Pac-12 title might have been yeah. the most ludicrous spread I've seen all year. Uh, then I thought the Texas spread was ludicrous as well. So um, I don't know. I, I might take Washington plus four and a half. I think they will cover that. Uh, but I do think Michigan ultimately is going to win this ball game. But I, if Michael Pettis Jr. Is, is as special as he showed against Texas, it's going to be tough for Michigan to, uh, to win this game. You know, the thing is, Max, next year we go to 12, right? 12 teams. In the yeah. end, I think this year, and I know there's a p bunch of people in Georgia that will be yelling and screaming when I say this, but I think they got it right this year. I, I really do. Even though I think Georgia against any of those teams, pregame matchup would have been favored against any of the other uh, four teams that were in the, the Final Four here. All of that aside, I think they got it right. I'm wondering if this is the end of the road for these kinds of discussions because you're going to have 12 next year. 
And you uh -huh. and I both know, along the way, not everything clicks every game for a team that has to go right. through that kind of labyrinth uh, to get to a championship. I'm wondering if it, it'll be different, it'll be more inclusive, it'll be better uh, in, the ter in that term, but I don't know if it'll be better. I guess you got to get there and see. But I know this, I'm yeah. excited about it, and I would, get, I would guess you are too. I'm very excited about it, honestly. I mean, as a Penn State fan, I'm very excited about Penn State might actually be able to make the playoff for one. Uh, but I, I am, I am very excited. I am very excited to, uh, to get this, you know, 12 team playoff. I, I think, you know, one argument people have about it is it's going to, you know, dilute the regular season. And the best part about college football is the regular season. Yeah. I, I hear that. And I, I think the massive games that you see, maybe they won't be as important because, you know, both teams will still make it. However, I do think, uh, once we get to the end of the season, we're going to have like 20 massive games because every, there's going to be like 30 teams probably that are fighting for a playoff spot. So instead of just like an eight or nine kind of fighting for four spots and all the other games are, you know, important, but not that critical for the playoff. We're going to have a lot of critical playoff game for like games for the playoff next year. So I'm very, very excited about that. I'm excited as New Year's six bowls. Nobody will hopefully at least opt out of those bowl games. because They'll all be playoff right, games. Right. I, I'm excited for them. I'm really am excited for it. Um, I think going from four to 12 is a big jump. Uh, I probably would have gone to eight, but uh, I am excited to see what this 12-team uh, playoff looks like next year. And you're excited about Penn State's prospects there, too. Well, you may want to suggest to James Franklin he beat a top-10 team once in a while and maybe <laughs> a little little yeah. dig there for you. That uh, No, Penn State is a <laughs> terrific program, always has and always will be. All right, uh, Max, good stuff. Uh, keep up the good work. Max Chadwick, profootballfocus.com. Find him online at pff.com. All right, young Max, thanks for your time. We appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ken. I appreciate you. Now, the wide receivers that Washington has are they're 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 the real deal. I just I don't know. Yeah, I I just think we're gonna see a lot of Blake Corum from Michigan. I just think that's the way Harbaugh is gonna go in this game, and uh why wouldn't he when you have that kind of ground game? But uh, the way Michigan handled Ohio State and then um the way it survived in that game against Alabama was uh, terrific. I thought they, I thought they won the battle up front in in both instances. I thought they, I thought they they were physically stronger than Ohio State, and I think that they were physically better than Alabama. And so I think you're going to see a lot of running from Michigan on Monday night. We'll see. That's why they play the games. One fifty four News Radio seven hundred WLW. Meanwhile, in the enchanted forest, Snow White happily walks the path to a tiny cottage. Yeah, this angry queen is out to get me, so I hang out with my seven friends. Seven friends in one tiny cottage? Yeah, they're sort of small. And what did you all do? We listened to Eddie and Rocky. They get all of us laughing. Really? Well, everyone but Grumpy. But I could have sworn I heard him snickering a couple times. Eddie and Rocky, give your day a fairy tale ending. Eddie and Rocky. Monday afternoon at 3 on 700 WLW. You know, in the tricky waters of real estate, you have to have a steady hand on the wheel. And the hand on the wheel that is the steadiest is the wheel that belongs to Holding Realtors. And they have some terrific agents. The reader team inside Holding Realtors has listed a pristine, custom, David Ott-built ranch in Miami Heights. The home includes three to four bedrooms, depending on how you want to split them up. Two full and two half baths on a private cul-de-sac. Inside includes a modern open floor plan, a gorgeous refinished hardwood floor setting, built-ins, and molding throughout. You will love this. 
Call Hoding right now if you're interested in that home, in that area, 513-793-4800. When you call, ask for a free market analysis of your home, 513-793-4800. Or on the Internet, Hoding with an E. Com. Skyline Chili in a warm, soft tortilla? That's a Skyline Chilito. Try one today. Wow, 2023. Your host, Ken Brew, on News Radio 700 WLW. It's the Craftsman Electric Saturday Afternoon Extravaganza. Craftsman Electric Quality Craftsmanship, it is in their name. So, you get diagnosed with something or you have symptoms, something's not feeling right, right? So what do you do? You go online, right? You go online and you go to Google and you type in, I got this, this, and this. What do you think I have? And Google spits something back at you. It may or may not be true. Who knows? And then you might say to yourself, self, uh, maybe I got to go see a doctor because I just got this from Google and maybe there is something wrong with me. Or maybe you're just a cybochondriac, somebody that constantly goes online the minute you have a little twinge or a little sniffle or a little cough. Whatever, stand by because all of this is about to change. And it's changing because of artificial intelligence, AI. There are those who have us believe, would have us believe, that AI is just something out of the movie Terminator. That once AI gets up and rolling, we're all going to be taken over by AI. Kind of like the machines try to take over in Terminator. But it's something much more to that and much more realistic than that to the medical profession. Because AI is now helping not only people get information about what may be ailing them before they decide whether or not they have to go see a doctor. It's happen It's helping the doctor coalate all collate gather information from so many different sources quickly not in terms of hours or minutes but seconds that can help them diagnose what might be ailing that particular patient in fact we've done stories on this uh this show about how ai is helping target cancers some cancers disguise themselves initially you might think it's it's a cancer of the bone when it's really a cancer from another organ uh, heart issues, which uh, invariably most of us at some point in, the other, point in the other in our lives will have an issue with our hearts. Heart issues are being aided and, um, and abetted in their, in their healing sense by doctors or for doctors because of AI. So I wanted to get into this because it looks like more and more ChatGPT, which is at the forefront of AI, is taking taking the lead on all of this research that um, may indeed help you, me, and everybody else that once we're sick get healthy in a hurry. Chris Matthew is standing by to join us. He is the chief growth officer with a company called Sniffle, S-N-I-F-F-L-E. I don't know what that's all about, but we'll, uh, we'll find out why it's called Sniffle. It's the, the world's first AI-driven virtual care ecosystem. And uh, this is a guy that's been in the medical profession for over 15 years. And I thought I'd get him on to talk about AI and how it's going to make all of us who don't feel all that good at certain points of the year feel better in a hurry. Chris Matthew, how are you on this glorious Saturday? 
Ken, I am wonderful. Thank you so much for asking. How are you? Uh, I'm well, and at this time of the year, at this area of the country, uh, no small trick, but uh, yeah, hanging in there. So I, I look at chat GPT, I look at AI, and I'm fascinated on one hand, scared on the other, but when it comes to medicine, I'm so encouraged because I think this could be a wonderful tool. Not the only tool somebody should rely on, but a tool that may help get doctors to where the problem is uh, a lot quicker than if they did not have it at their disposal. Would that be fair to say? Ken, I think that is more than fair to say. I think you are spot on in your assessment there. It is a, absolutely a tool to help physicians and clinicians do more with less. They are burdened with so much administrative uh, criteria to run their practice. You know, the last time you went to see a doctor, I would tell you that probably, maybe not you, but probably most physician visits, probably nearly 50% of the time that you're in the, in the room, they're doing administrative work yeah. as opposed yeah. to being able to be focused on just healing and hearing what you need at that given point in time. Yeah. And I think AI and advanced tech is going to help them free a lot more time so they can be more focused on you and delivering really phenomenal patient care. Yeah, spot on with doctors. In fact, I was just having this conversation earlier today. Oftentimes you go in there, and more often than not, they're conversing with you while looking at a computer. Uh, I have some doctors that will dictate into a you know, one of those old you know, 1990s-era tape recorders, and then at the end of their day, whenever their appointments are done, they have to sit there and enter that stuff in manually. It's whatever works for the doctor. Either way... Either the patient is getting shortchanged and the doctor is getting overworked. In either case, not good, not good for the patient. The thing I worry about, though, here, and, and maybe it's a false worry, Chris, is uh, a lot of AI, uh, if it's garbage in, it's garbage out. It depends on where the information is coming from. So I, it sounds like the rules of people that are trying to work their way around having to do a lot of research for a term paper in high school don't apply here because this is actual information, at least in the medical profession, that's based in medicine, that it is coming from people in the medical field. Is it is that filter here? Is is that filter in play here? When when looking at ChatGPT can and in healthcare, what I'll say, and this is true of all AI, it's early. It's really early. This is still all very new stuff. So when you think about think about the first stethoscope that came out. Think about the first lab test and the first imaging machine. There were a lot of skepticism and a lot of skeptics around that. And now, like you alluded to earlier, these are tools that a practitioner uses every day in delivering great care. That's what I think AI is going to be able to do for physicians moving forward. It is going to learn. It is going to get better. It is going to become more accurate. At Sniffle, we have an AI machine learning language protocol that Will is built on over 14 million patient visits. So this isn't just, uh, you know, I took a couple hundred patient visits and I've kind of made some predictions based on that. When you take over 14 million encounters, the law of large numbers allows you to start to really predict what things can happen. And then through the Sniffle for Patients app, can you put your family medical history, you put in your lifestyle, and then you put in your chief complaint or your first symptom? The AI is going to lead you through a medical interview and the returning set of differentials or AKA the diagnosis, that return has a 95% accuracy rating. Now at that point, 
that gives you the idea, Ken, to, to really understand what's going on in your healthcare journey and then to take the appropriate step. Do you need to book a virtual appointment to see your doctor or is that stomach ache, is that something more severe like an appendicitis mm -hmm. and you need to safely and quickly get to the emergency room? Yeah, I also read and I, I can't remember where, but it was recently, it was in a magazine or maybe uh, one of those online WebMD websites that oftentimes if you go to see a doctor and the doctor diagnoses you, God forbid, with cancer, um, sometimes it's it's a, a cancer that is not really uh, uh, specific to where it's manifesting itself, that the root of that cancer may be someplace else, and that with with AI, years ago you you might you might go in there and it might take weeks maybe a month before the doctor realized through a series of tests that okay it's it's breast cancer but it really is manifesting itself in the stomach with ai it it cuts down that process dramatically in fact in 20% of the of the cases that were studied in 20% it was an instant uh, i i i've seen a lot of uh, reports like that so the physician regardless of what the what the individual patient is, the physician has all of that now or is beginning to accumulate that information to be used at his or her disposal for a whole wealth of people, not just that person. Here it is here in this case. Well, it could be here in that case, too. Am I wrong? or I'm not hallucinating. Did I, did I read that. No, you're, you're right, Ken. Uh, although hallucination is something that comes up in ChatGPT from time to time where it just kind of creates its own facts. But yeah. what you're talking about, I, I want to give you a comparison. You're a smart guy, and if I asked you to do a thousand math problems, I have no doubt that you could get to it, and you would get through it at some point. Or I could put it in a spreadsheet and hit two buttons, and I have all my answers. Yeah. Right? That's the same thing that's happening here. When it comes to recalling data, AI is going to be able to be an incredible tool to take and synthesize large and huge amounts of data to then bring our bring us closer ideas of assessment and then to take action on that assessment. And the more data that we have, the more accurate the data can become. And so I think you're absolutely spot on that we are going to see things coming that are going to help physicians and help patients in ways that we can't even imagine. And ultimately the real hope that we have, at least at Sniffle, is that can we use AI to help return joy back to the practice of medicine because that's a real priority. It should be a priority. Physicians should be able to love what it is they do. Because right now, if you survey out there, you've definitely heard this term, physician burnout, oh, clinical yeah. burnout is a very real thing. So if we can help clinical providers and physicians find joy back in their practice, and we can help patients navigate this process and not feel so overwhelmed, but give them tools to help them really understand where they are in their health journey, this is a win-win for all of us. At the point of inception, at the at, at at the beginning of all of this, when the patient is feeling some sort of, I'm not right, I've got this particular ache, this particular pain, and you go on now and you have the ability to go on ChatGPT and, and get all of this, it's, it's just an advanced uh, form, I guess, of what Google or any other search engine used to be. But I, I suppose the disconnect could come from false assurance. Okay, I've got this. I've got this ache here on the side of my head. I'm, I'm, I'm typing in my symptoms, my family history, and it pops back. Oh, you know, it could only be a toothache or, you know, it might be some sort of migraine or something like that. It's a first step, right? I mean, you just can't 
go go on right now and chat GPT, and all of a sudden you can figure out what's wrong with you. Go take a couple of extra strength Tylenol, and everything will be all right. It doesn't necessarily uh, supersede a virtual doctor visit or an inpatient or an in-person uh, doctor visit, right? I completely agree with you, Ken. At least, you know, I think about, for my family, uh, a WebMD search or a Dr. Google search or just a ChatGPT search, that's not going to be enough because it's just reaching out for medical recall. I need curated, uh, medically purposed AI. That's what I want. That's what I expect for my family. That's what we've built here at Snipple. But I think that you're absolutely right. It is the first step. It's just the first step. It shouldn't just be the only step, but it's one of many. But in, in a, the reality that we face where we have a growing physician shortage across the country, we have growing physician burnout and physicians and clinicians leaving the medical community, we have to find tools that can help people yeah. start this process. Yeah. And I think that AI can be a, a great solution for that. Chris Matthew, our guest, expert on the future of healthcare. He is with the company Sniffle. By the way, what does Sniffle mean? What, what does it stand for? So Sniffle, our organization, is here to, to focus on better care in a bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Better care means better care for both physicians, clinicians, and patients. And the bigger picture, it's something we really believe here, is relationship of medicine really matters. Continuity of care really matters. You having a relationship with your provider is important. And and what in our perspective, telemedicine and telehealth is random doctors treating random patients. That's not good for doctors. That's not good for patients. What they need is continuity of care so that when your doctor sees you and can you say, my head hurts. Well, can this time of year, every year, your head hurts because your allergies are terrible versus can that's unusual. And I don't like what you're telling me. And I need you to get in here so that we can have a proper appointment or can I need you to go get lab work done? But only when that person has a relationship with you, can they do that? That's what we're trying to do here at Sniffle is the bigger picture is to reinforce the relationship between providers and their patients, get patients out of these bad business models of seeing random doctors at retail health centers and get them back into the physician community and the medical community to strengthen that bond. And that's what Sniffle's doing today and across the country yeah and it just as it sounds it's sniffle.com where is this going chris i mean i i I, it sounds to me like where it's going is that it will rapidly it will accelerate um the the health process having all of this information so that uh number one you won't have to wait two weeks three weeks to get in to see a doctor and then when and if you do hopefully sooner than later with that, that all of that information will be at his or her disposal so that treatment can begin immediately as opposed to where we are right now. And you know where we are right now, unfortunately, in a lot of places. You go see a doctor, doctor will say, here's a pill, go take a test. Then you take a test, you wait to see the doctor to interpret it. That might be two weeks. Then he says or she says, go take another test, and then we'll interpret that. And at the worst, they'll kick it down the down the road, and now all of a sudden you don't see the doctor you want to see. You're seeing somebody else that you don't even know. Sounds to me like this is an acceleration process to get people back on the road to recovery. Is, again, is that fair to say? Ken, I think it is. I really do. I think that when we look at where can we put AI and advanced tech to remove the burdens that have been put into the process, there are things like prior authorization. You didn't even mention the beating of, you know, incorporating your healthcare insurance into this whole process. But once, once you start adding all these elements, 
to try to get a proper diagnosis, maybe it takes you six months. And that doesn't seem, when I can get online and apply for a home loan and buy a car with a click of just a few buttons on my phone, I should be able to maybe not cure cancer, but I should be able to have real understanding and visibility of what's happening in my healthcare. And that, that I do believe is a, is a reality that is coming. It's here right now yeah. in some capacities, but it is going to get so much better. Yeah. Everything I've read, it just, it's the way it's going. And if your doctor or your, your health uh, group doesn't embrace AI, it might be time to go see another doctor. Uh, I mean, this is just, this is where it's all heading. Chris, again, sniffle.com. When people go there, what will they find out about your company? Well, you're going to be able to learn uh, if you're a physician or a clinic, you'll be able to learn how we built a set of solutions for your clinic. Um, if you're a patient, you'll be able to learn about the patient app. What I would tell you is for all the, your listeners now, Sniffle for Patients is available in the app store. Give it a test drive. There's, there's two things that are really powerful in there. That app, the first thing is it's going to have what we call an diagnosis tool. Our stance, again, we support the medical community. Only a medical provider should give you a diagnosis. But an iagnosis is an AI-derived diagnosis. Our iagnosis is free for you to use. In addition to that, we have a Sniffle RX card in there. It's four times more powerful than good RX. Oh. It'll save you up to 85% on your prescriptions. That is also available for unlimited utilization, totally free for all your listeners. Wow. Sniffle wow. for Patients is, is in the App Store, ready for all. Chris Matthew, good good stuff and good luck. Um, and hopefully you and I get a chance to visit down the road. And when we do, this uh, will be, you know, so widespread that uh, everybody has a chance to understand it. But great information there on the app. I'm going there right after we're done here. Chris, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Ken. Talk to you hopefully real soon. Yeah, I hope so, too. I hope so, too. I mean, it again. It's just another tool. It doesn't. It doesn't say, okay, use this. You don't have to go to the doctor, but it gives you a better idea of what's going on. And for the doctor, if your doctor or his healthcare unit isn't isn't into AI or soon, then maybe it might be time to find another doctor or healthcare unit. It's a simple question. Just ask Dai. Are you guys using AI? And if so, how are you using it? And if not, why aren't you using it? Anyway, Sniffle S N I F F L E. That's uh, that's his uh, that's his website. That's his app. It's two twenty four. Ken Brew Saturday afternoons seven hundred WLW. With the postseason on the line, we're dealing you back-to-back pigskin action. First, it's an AFC North showdown between the Ravens and Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers! Then the 9-7 Texans take on the 9-7 Colts for a final shot at the playoffs. With a touchdown for the Colts special teams! It's must-hear football. No, not to be and we've got the game beginning today at 4 on 700 WLW has so much more than just homes for sale or selling your home. They have business property, too. They've just listed a terrific place in Sailor Park. Terrific place in this sense. 2,176 square feet, solid masonry building, along with a fenced storage lot with a 20 by 30 shelter. The large parking area is across from McDonald's, will also be considered a lease. Formerly a dry cleaner, it would be a great spot, they say, for a small business or contractor. If you're interested, call the agent Steve Florian. He's at 513-451-4800. 513-451-4800. You can find him at Hoding. You can find Hoding on the Internet. 
Hoding with an E.com. Cincinnati's favorite holiday tradition is back. Visit Crone Conservatory's Golden Days of Yule, presented by Scherzinger Pest Control. Now through January 7th, bring your entire family to admire golden stars over colorful poinsettias and holiday trees. Marvel at the garden train sets whizzing through Cincinnati landmarks made from locally sourced plant material. Don't miss out on this one-of-a-kind holiday experience at Crone Conservatory. Plan your visit today. Tickets available online at CincinnatiParks.com and at the door. When you donate your... They'll take you right up to NFL football today. 4.30 kick. Pittsburgh at Baltimore. We'll have it here on 700 WLW. And then, at least early on, we'll have the Houston-Indianapolis game. But we'll break away because we're carrying UC basketball tonight with Dan Horde and Terry Nelson, live from BYU, Brigham Young University. All here on 700 WLW. Bengals-Browns tomorrow, 1 o'clock kick. It is not ending the way any Bengals fan would have wanted it to end, but end it will tomorrow. And if they win, the Bengals will go to 9-8. and eight. And if they lose, they will have finished the season without a single win inside their own division. And they have not fared very well inside the American Football Conference as well. So what happened where did it all go wrong, and is it really all Joe Burrow and his medical issues? Or is it deeper than that? Standing by to weigh in is one of the true titans of the sports journalism field. I loved him when he was with ProFootballFocus.com. Now he is one of the major domos at MB Fantasy Life, and he's standing by to join us and ready to drop some knowledge on us about the National Football League and the Bengals. He's our good buddy, Ian Harditz. Ian, how are you on this glorious Saturday? Even better now I get to talk to you, Ken. You always got me ready to run through a brick wall with that intro. So shout out to, uh, you know, Cincy. Not quite uh, living down south anymore, but still holds a uh, special place for me. And yeah, man, hope uh, hope you're well. Yeah, I hope you're well, too, and Happy New Year. I think it's going to be a great new year. 2024 is going to be a great year for you. I just feel it. Uh, what went wrong this year? The obvious is Joe Burrow got hurt. But I tend to think the things that went wrong with the Bengals were things that they might have been able to address before this season began and yet failed to do so. So it's more than just Burrow getting hurt, is it not? I mean, that is obviously the biggest thing here. We saw what they were able to do in weeks eight and nine, you know, really convincingly taking down the 49ers on the road and then the Bills, and it really did seem like everything was just fine. So I don't want to be too critical because obviously if we take away the number one quarterback for most NFL teams, we're not going to see a team good enough to overly contend. But to your point, Ken, I do think there were signs that, again, the supporting cash just wasn't really built to quite survive otherwise. I mean, I remember talking to you in April before the draft and kind of going over what this team needed. And our big kind of takeaway was that they needed serious help in the secondary to help replace Jesse Bates and Von Bell. And kudos to them for using, you know, the day two capital to try to get that job done, but just simply hasn't been the case. And man, watching how well Jesse Bates has played in Atlanta too. I mean, he is PFF's number one graded safety this year. Six interceptions are the third most in the league. I know I don't need to explain to Bengals fans just how good Jesse Bates is, but when you take that playmaker out of the middle of your defense, again, we just haven't seen everyone else be able to step off the same way. Mike Hilton's been solid in the slot, but it's still a defense that hasn't been great against the run, and honestly, they just haven't been able to really withstand anything this year. We're talking about 31st in successful play rate against the pass, and also bottom three defense against the run. So when you take away that offense that can score with anyone, I just think it left really 
really the rest of the team lacking, most notably in that defense, but also even the offensive line. So, again, it's a reality when you're paying Joe Burrow this much money and you got the contract extensions coming up for at least Chase, if not Higgins as well. I understand why they couldn't keep Bates or Von Bell, but sadly the backups just weren't able to step up as much as they needed to. This defense was a big play defense. That's what it predicated its success on. If you look, just break down statistically the numbers and what it allowed per game in terms of yards, points, you break it down any way you want. It was always a defense that spun off the big play. The big play isn't there every single game. In fact, if you line up the number of snaps for the worst team in the NFL statistically on offense and look at the number of snaps and the number of fumbles lost and the number of interceptions thrown, those interceptions thrown and those fumbles lost are a fraction, an infinitesimal fraction of the number of plays that they run. So you just can't build a defense on, oh, we can force fumbles here. Oh, we can get an interception here. And I think it's that inconsistency that played into why this team did not perform well on defense, at least, this season. Would you agree? 100% because, again, I mentioned the successful play factor, which, and hey, if you want to be a bend or break, you know, defense, we see teams like the Cowboys and even the 49ers. Those are really bad defenses against the run as well. But, you know, it is 2024 at this point, almost to 2023, where you do need to be able to make those big plays. And they just haven't consistently got them. I love the stat called Havoc. I kind of saw in the college football streets a year ago, but we can use it with the NFL as well, where basically we're measuring just pressures, force fumbles, pass breakups, tackles for a loss, all the things that, you know, sound like Havoc on a per-play basis. And this year, the Bengals are just 21st in that. So when you do look at the top defenses, the Browns, the 49ers, the Ravens, the Cowboys, the Bills, those are the top five units in this. And again, we're seeing the Bengals really lagging behind pretty much everywhere. So sadly, again, I just don't think they've had that playmaker really come to fruition and prove to be someone able to, you know, kind of rise the tide for everybody else involved. So again, they tried, you know, Chidobia Wuzie, I don't think has quite lived up to his billing as kind of being paid as a number one corner. Maybe we do see guys like DJ Turner and Jordan Battle just, you know, as they get more experience in the league improve. But Certainly wasn't quite enough this year. And, hey, could it have been enough if they had Joe Burrow still leading a top-five offense? Maybe. But, again, that's the problem. We have these margins become so much tougher to get by when you don't have one of the best players in the game under center. And, honestly, I think that same kind of sentiment applies to the offense. So, we can talk about the run game not being good. And, guess what? It wasn't. But, also, really wasn't any worse than it was last season. 3.8 yards for carry both times around. The offensive line hasn't been great. And just the biggest thing there is almost on the other side of the coin, we talked on defense about needing those bigger, you know, kind of havoc sort of plays. On offense, I mean, we're talking about the 29th-ranked offense and explosive pass play rate. The 2020 Bengals, rookie year Burrow, was actually more explosive than this version of the Cincinnati Bengals right now. So, again, don't want to blame Jamar Chase or T. Higgins, who missed a lot of time with that hamstring injury. But when you're a team that just can't really create big plays on either side of the football, Mm -hmm. it's going to be tough for you to run away with too many games. Well, and, and therein lies the rub. I mean, going into this game against the Browns, Joe Burrow would have missed every single division game or not been 100% physically for every division game in 2023. Um, and I think if you, if you, you know, you talk about big plays, splash plays on offense, the first couple of games, he was not 100%. He couldn't throw the ball downfield. Really, it, it kind of spilled into that Tennessee game. And it wasn't until that San Francisco game and that Buffalo game that things really started percolating for him. And now obviously he's been gone since uh, the middle of that game uh at you know with Baltimore but i'm i'm just 
I'm just wondering if it's it's more a case of Burrow not being healthy, and that's why you're not getting big splash plays for them. The throw downfield to Jamar Chase has all but disappeared here since the middle of November. I'm just wondering if that really isn't the centric problem here. And you can have all those other things working. You can have an offensive line that blocks well. You can have a running game that is moving right along. But it's it's Burrow, and it's Burrow-centric, and goes back to what you said initially. You know, it, it, teams with backup quarterbacks, by and large, don't do what they can do when they have their starter in there. I think it's Burrow-centric. Oh, yeah, they've 100%, you know, kept the training wheels on for Jake Browning. Kudos to Browning for just being able to, hey, consistently lead this team to, you know, at least during that Jaguars, Colts, and Vikings stretch, winning football and scoring, you know, 27-plus points along the way. So I do think that Browning has established himself as a solid enough backup quarterback. But when you just look at it on the season, average target depth, just measuring how far the football goes on average when he's throwing it, 6.8 6.8 yards. That is the single lowest mark among 32 qualified quarterbacks. So we saw some flashes. I thought that Vikings game in particular, some of the throws he made downfield, you know, down the sideline to Higgins and Chase alike. I thought that was probably his best overall performance. But again, at the end of the day, as great as some of his numbers are, I mean, seriously, averaging north of eight yards per attempt is nothing to joke about. We can, you know, watch the film a little bit tighter, see, you know, Chase Brown ripping off some big plays off in the screen game and things of that nature. So yeah, I mean, again, and that's why I wouldn't be overly pessimistic about 2024 because you mentioned once we did see that healthy version of Burrow, I mean, my goodness, I still just think back to that play he made against the Niners. It was only like a 9 or 10-yard pass, but evading the pocket, actually using his legs like we hadn't seen during the first month and a half of the year. I know uh, one of the Bengals' best out there, uh, Joe Goodberry, always talks about kind of getting Burrow back to almost LSU Burrow days where he's just healthy enough to really use his legs. and. No, he's not quite Lamar Jackson out there. But when you give Burrow that ability to extend plays and just give force defenses defense for that extra half second sometimes, very, very, very tough to stop. So, again, sad that it didn't quite work out. But I would be tough to press to really name another NFL team that would be able to keep their, you know, Super Bowl aspirations after losing their best player under Oh, sure. No, absolutely. No question about it. No question about it. Ian Hart is our guest. Um, look, we, uh, we've got two games today. We've got Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Houston, Indianapolis, both with, with playoff implications, huge playoff implications uh, for, uh, for three of the four teams. And then tomorrow you've got some really intriguing matchups, particularly Buffalo-Miami, which is the Sunday night game. But the mm-hmm. NFL, when they went to 17 games, everybody was screaming, well, that's too much wear and tear on the players. You know, they're not going to be able to survive it. I mean, this is kind of like a bye week. For a lot of these teams, right? I mean, they got a second bye week in here. Like, I mean, you're either out of it and you're going to rest players and see what you can get from maybe your second team going into 2024, or you're in it and you're going to rest your starters because you don't want to get them hurt to start the playoffs. So, I mean, all this hand wringing over a 17th game, I mean, it's kind of like it's kind of working itself out, isn't it? Yeah, and I think uh, when we see the injuries kind of increase, I think every every year we're just kind of inclined to say, oh, we've never seen a year like this before in terms of the injuries. But if you go back, it's not that different from the past. I think the bigger issue than just an extra game is the fact that the offense is playing faster and throwing the football more. We're seeing quarterbacks dropping back more and more throughout each and every game. So overall in the season, it's just getting that much more. But no, it's a great point about you know the teams resting. Really, there's six teams that more or less have 
nothing to play for this week, already have their playoff spots and even the, you know, seating more or less clinched. And the only team that seemingly is going to play their starters like business as usual is Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions. So I know the man's a noted, you know, kneecap biter. He wants to get that bad taste out of the team's mouth from the Cowboys game and all that. But Man, Ken, I just look at this. And if the Lions are really going to go out there and play golf and company for 60 minutes, that just doesn't seem like the smartest move. We oh. saw Brandon Staley do that with the Chargers last year. They ended up losing Mike Williams for the playoffs. So, hey, Dan Campbell will forget more about football than I will ever know in my life. So that dude's awesome. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying, Ken, I do think you got to draw the line at some point. As much as you want to be aggressive each and every week, Make sure those guys are going to be healthy enough to go compete, hopefully, against Matthew Stafford and the Rams here in that wild card round. All right. So I want to make sure that I'm understanding you correctly here. I want to make sure that um, you, a direct descendant of Grantland Rice, you are on the Grantland Rice team of journalism. I want to make sure I'm hearing you right because I know there are a lot of people out there that want to make sure that you said this. The, the window is still open for the Bengals in 2024. <laughs> The cast of characters may change. You may not see T. Higgins. You may not see DJ Reader. You may not see a Wouzier, but you still think it's here and it's doable in 2024. Absolutely, Ken. I, I think when we see the Super Bowl odds for 2024, that will be reflected. Because at the end of the day, if you have Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, or Joe Burrow under center, I think you're going to be able to compete with just about anyone. So not going to be easy. You know, when you do look at the modern-day NFL, I do think the biggest advantage from a team-building perspective is having that quarterback on a rookie contract playing at an elite level. But guess what? If you do have to eventually pay the man, just make sure it is a Joe Burrow or a Mahomes or a Josh Allen and not, you know, with all due respect a Daniel Jones type of talent who you just aren't completely sold on yet. That's where we see teams really get in trouble. And honestly, just looking at the Bears, I think that's where their tough decision comes in, where it's like, okay, do you, even if you do think Fields could be the guy for the future, do you really want to go all in on that idea versus taking that four- to five-year window with the you know cap-controlled rookie quarterback coming in? So, I mean, hey, we've seen enough from Burrow in this offense to know just how elite they can be. Just when, honestly, Burrow is healthy with even one wide receiver around him, I think, unfortunately, 2023 lost year for, uh, you know, Who Day Nation, but 2024 and beyond should be much better times. Outlined against a blue-gray January sky, Ian Hardis <laughs> predicts the four horsemen of the apocalypse will ride again. Ian, it's always great catching up with you. We will visit, I'm sure, sooner than later. Stay well, and we'll talk down the road. Thank you. You too, Ken. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> it was, that wasn't dramatic. My guy right there. Ian Harditz. By the way, Cleveland at Cincinnati tomorrow, current line, according to DraftKings, Bengals minus seven. Because the Browns are not going to play very many of their starters, and if they do, they're not going to be in there very long. Cleveland, as we all know, is going to the playoffs. 251, Ken Brew, Saturday afternoons, News Radio, 700 WLW. A good day starts with a good morning. Here's Stephanie, a fashion model who started her own successful lingerie line. But she doesn't spend her morning lying around in negligees. She has a business to run. She has her coffee, her spreadsheets, and Mike McConnell. Hello, hello, good morning. Mike gives her the latest news, weather, traffic, business updates, and always a couple of laughs. What more could the queen of the G-string ask for? Mike McConnell, Monday morning at 5 on 700 WLW. Oh, it's a great day to head on down to one of my favorite places on the planet, Little Miami Brewing. 
in the heart of downtown historic Milford. And when you get there, check out the new facelift on one of their great beers. Cherry Creek just got a little sour. Yes, sour. Cherry Creek Sour on tap. It has the perfect balance of tartness and cherry sweetness. It only has 4.5% AVB as well. There's entertainment tonight at Little Miami. Summer term, it takes the stage at 7 o'clock for three hours of great rock and roll music. And don't forget about the world-class pizzas, the outstanding soups and salads. It's all right there for you under one roof. Along the banks of the Little Miami River sits Little Miami Brewing in the heart of downtown historic Milford. Hear that? That's the sound of a factor meal just waiting for you to dig in. Because our fresh, never-frozen meals are ready to eat in just two minutes. Think truffle butter filet mignon and potato leek mash. Or sun-dried tomato chicken with zucchini noodles. Crafted and cooked to perfection by an elite team of factor chefs and dietitians to help you fuel up and feel good fast. How's that sound? Pretty delicious if you ask me. Go to factormeals.com to learn more. Hosted by true crime author and killer storyteller Mary Kay McBrayer, the new podcast The Greatest True Crime Stories Ever Told delivers riveting narratives about killers, scammers, 700 WLW. Welcome back. Saturday afternoon, June me, you know, every time I do this, people always say, "Man, you make me feel old." Well, listen. We're all getting older. Hopefully, we're all getting better. 34 years ago today, Phil Collins' album, but seriously, hit number one on the charts. We never talked about it, but I hear the blame was mine. But seriously was a terrific album. Another Day in Paradise was the lead cut off that album, and it won all kinds of awards. It was just... Terrific. Uh, it won a Grammy for Record of the Year in, uh, well, let's see, 90, 90, 91, I guess, Grammys. I always thought this was the uh, the most introspective and musically the best song on this album. Of course, uh, it features the haunting voice of Phil Collins. The name of the song is Do You Remember? Anyway, um... I saw Phil Collins in Columbus maybe a year and a half ago. He is not in good physical condition. He, he can't stand up anymore. He has to sing from a seated position. A couple of uh, back surgeries that did not go all that well. But his voice still sounds good. And uh, the music was terrific. And 34 years ago today, this, this song was number one. I raise this because, as you know, I am uh, passionate about a number of things, and one of the things I'm very passionate about is what I drive. And I drive BMWs from the BMW store right here in Cincinnati. Did you know there are over 350 BMW centers in the United States? There's only one BMW store, just 10 minutes north of Cincinnati, just off I-71. I've often said this, I'll say it one more time today. If you're riding through life, might as well ride through life and luxury, which you'll always find at the BMW store. Chick Ludwig next after the news. I'll see you tomorrow morning at 9.05 as we start the countdown to our final Bengals game of this season. Right here on 700 WLW. News, traffic, and weather. 
News Radio 700 WLW, Cincinnati. Grounding their Boeing 737 MAX. With the 3 o'clock report, I'm Taryn Johnson. Breaking now, there are questions today in the aviation industry about what exactly happened on an Alaska Airlines flight Friday evening from Portland, Oregon, heading to Ontario, California, when the side of the plane blew out, forcing the plane to make a safe emergency landing. Alaska Airlines says it's taking its 65 Boeing 737 MAX 9 planes out of service. Once safety inspections are done and full maintenance, they'll be put back into service. Alaska says it's working with Boeing to understand what happened. It's unclear what blew out. It's a shape of a door, and original analysts thought it was a door that blew, but there was no door there. We're told it may be a spot in the fuselage that can be converted to a door if an airline needs one there. But inside and outside of the plane, it would have looked like there was no door. Somehow it blew. That's ABC's Alex Stone reporting. Now the latest traffic and weather together. We're not seeing any major delays or accidents on our tri-state highways at this point in time. Now the latest forecast from the Advanced Dentistry Weather Center. Advanced Dentistry, the judgment-free dental experience you've been looking for. NoFearDentist.com. Mostly cloudy for the afternoon with wet roads. We'll see high of 38. Brief wintry mix tonight, low 33. Windy and cloudy Sunday, lingering morning showers with a high of 37. An active weather pattern next week. From your severe weather station, I'm 9 First Warning Meteorologist Raven Richard, News Radio 700 WL. It's currently cloudy and 39 degrees. Our Bengals game day forecast for tomorrow afternoon's season finale against the Cleveland Browns. Rain and snow likely at the start of the game with cloudy conditions setting in there afterwards. High of 40 degrees with wind gusts up to 21 miles per hour. This game day forecast is brought to you by Logan AC and Heat Services. Free estimates. Book online now. In local news, a local girl is safe and back home. Lima police say a girl who ran away has been found safe in Florida. The child was expected back in Lima on Friday. Police say the girl was found at the home of 31-year-old Thomas Ebersall in the Ocala, Florida area after she had been missing since last week. Lima police say the two connected while playing a computer game and the suspect traveled to Lima to pick her up and bring her back to Florida. He's now facing multiple felony charges. I'm Matt Reese. The state of Ohio sued over its new law on social media and kids. NetChoice, which represents TikTok, Facebook, and X, announcing a lawsuit against the state of Ohio over the new law that requires parental consent before kids under age 16 can sign up for social media. The association is trying to stop the Social Media Parental Notification Act from taking effect a week from Monday. The 60-year-old teacher who was attacked by a 15-year-old student had to have surgery yesterday to relieve pressure on her brain. Her name hasn't been made public, and we won't likely know. The child is now being charged with felonious assault unless he's charged as an adult. Police say the boy at Colerain High School apparently took a drug that made him hallucinate and became violent. The boy is also accused of hurting another 15-year-old student by, quote, grabbing him and pinching his neck. Our next update comes your way at 3.30. I'm Taryn Johnson, News Radio 700, WLW. This report is sponsored by Unbound.org. Right now, there are young people across the world facing a tough choice.